The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, classic Valentine's Day feel to Premier League encounters. Nathan Jones' steamy time down south ends in the sack. Arsenal and Chelsea get some costly-looking draws and Forrest meets some cottagers and promptly go down. Now, with Spurs and Chelsea preparing to open up two European legs, there's plenty for us to talk about, and that's before we even get on to the collection of red-faced gentlemen letting themselves down in front of video screens. It's the Totally Football Show. Monday 13th of February and uh, lucky for you, listener, because in the studio we've got Benji Lanyardo. Hey, Jimbo. All right, Benji. It's lonely in here, isn't it? Just you and me. You and I, you know, one day pre-Valentine's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it might be Valentine's Day for you, listener, in which case, happy Valentine's Day. I have to say we are joined by our pals from other places. Jack Lang. All right, Jack. Hi, James. And also Matt Davis-Adams. Hello, James. Hi, Matt. Zooming in like the sun in that song, eh, Matt? Uh, yeah. All right. You you quoted that song on your way to, I think you went to, did you go to Fulham the other day? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. yeah double header of disappointing football for me on Saturday. Mm. All right. Well, looking forward to hearing about that. It is Valentine's Day Tuesday. Perhaps it is already for you listeners. Anyone got big plans? Watch some football, perhaps? No oh. big plans. <laughs> no, please cut this out, Jesse. I should have had a really, really quick answer there. No, no. <laughs> I think the orc- I think the, the the pause is is the is the perfect answer for most uh, most people. Yes, very good plans. They're yeah. definitely good. All right, nice one. Well, there is some great football. If you don't have plans, there's uh, Milan Spurs, PSG Bayern on Tuesday. Woof. Uh, oh, Nick Miller. Also, if you're looking for, you know, romantically themed football content for. Your Tuesday. He's got a piece out on Tuesday on The Athletic, of course, about people getting married at a football ground. Hmm. When did you get married, Jack Lang? I'm, st- I'm really groping here. <laughs> uh, I had two weddings to the same person. Right. One in Cornwall and one in Brazil to satisfy the It's other like other Richard family. Burton and, and Elizabeth Taylor, isn't it? It's really decadent, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Uh, all right, Matt, quick obligatory question to you about Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah. Um, what, what, where I'll be celebrating or where That's I got married? Absolutely. Yeah, go on. Let's go with that. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll be celebrating at home on my own because my wife will be out at work, but you know, we've been married for 10 years, so there's no need to <laughs> yeah. maintain the, uh, maintain the act at this stage. I've got a sort of value novelty card for her. Hopefully she's done something similar. We'll exchange them in a, a firm handshake and here's, here's to another 10 years, darling. Magnificent. Do you know what? Sometimes space is the greatest present you can give. <laughs> In a relationship, it's not especially quite, if you're married to me, I would imagine. Yes, it's not quite Valentine's uh, appropriate, but you used to be able to stay overnight in Upton Park, um, and it was—I think it was the West Stand, and it was the corporate boxes that turned into hotel rooms overnight. Oh, and the gla- and, and one of the features was um, was a, a big sort of glass panel door that looked over the pitch. No. Well, no, I'm just saying that part of the marketing material was <laughs> something like you too can, can score at Upton Park. So, wow. Yeah, there's, um, there, there, I'm not sure if you can do that at the Olympic Stadium. I'm not sure that'd be a great use of taxpayers' money, but um, it, worth I mean, a mention. That was famously why that Croatian player got, uh, he got sold by his club. Uh, I think it was Dinamo Zagreb. We'll look this up. He, basically, he got stadium people to 
let him and his his, his <laughs> beloved into the stadium. And this was the, the twist, because there's been other occasions, I think it was a Danish couple that broke in and did it and were caught on the kind of right, CCTV. Right. But he actually got the, the, them to turn the stadium lights on. And, you know, and did the it on occasion. the pitch. And they did it on the pitch. But isn't that... And the club felt that was in some way not appropriate and put him on a transfer. <laughs> Doesn't that show like pretty extraordinary loyalty though? Like he couldn't think of a more, you know, exultant place Sacred, to, yeah, to, to do treasure. the deed yeah. than, the, than the middle of the football pitch. I know, but soiling the centre circle like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, enough. listener, let's move on to some of the hot action which took place on the pitches in the Premier League this weekend. Woo! A Saturday saw no less than four 1-1 draws for West Ham and Chelsea, Palace and Brighton again, Bournemouth and Newcastle and Arsenal and Brentford at the Emirates. Controversial score, that one. And perhaps a significant one because on Sunday, while Man United snatched two late goals to beat Leeds, Man City's 3-1 win against Villa moved them to just three points behind Arsenal ahead of their big meeting on Wednesday night. Also this weekend, Fulham beat Forest 2-0. Leicester went a goal down to Spurs, only to roll back for a 4-1 win. And Wolves come back away at Southampton. Saw the club tell Nathan Jones not to. Wolves down to 10 men and still coming back from a goal down to take the win. Coming up, we've got big midweek. Chelsea at Dortmund, Spurs at Milan, Man United at Barcelona on Thursday. Oof. And Wednesday in the Premier League, as mentioned, Arsenal Man City. Right. Arsenal Man City. Off we go. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures around the world. Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only, full account terms apply, and of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Arsenal Man City, everybody. We've been waiting so long for this game, delayed from way back when. I don't know when it was, but it, was, it feels like months ago. Uh, what's going to happen, Jack Lang? Yeah, I mean, that delay has, I suppose, made it more interesting in some respects. So I think it would have been nice to see the clubs go at it, as it were, with both in really top form. That's not the case now. I think Arsenal, uh, you know, visibly going through a little bit of a blip. Manchester City, you know, not amazing themselves and also have this whole context in the background that's kind of detracting from things on the field. So it's not quite the kind of beautiful advert for our league that it may have been a couple of months ago, but I don't think any less interesting for that fact. Looking forward to seeing what both of these coaches come up with. Arsenal, of course, very settled, 14 changes to their starting lineup all season. And, you know, maybe just the odd sign that getting a bit tired, maybe a little bit stale. I, I would doubt that he'll ring the changes for this match, but yeah, I wonder whether it might not be a bad idea to, to spring a surprise or two. Mm. Arsenal's blip consisting of them losing away to Everton and then drawing with Brentford this weekend. Although, Arsenal fans will say we should have won. Look at the space there for the silver. Headed back by Visser. Back on by Norgard. Amstel didn't get there and in. Ivan Tony does have his goal. 
He'll feel it should have arrived earlier, but Brentford have equalised. Brentford's uh, equaliser containing no less than two contentious offsides and a VAR consultant who apparently forgot to draw the lines, Matt. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? A terrible, terrible weekend for, for VAR, but a good one for those of us who, you know, would like to see it scrapped. Um, but Do you yeah, think? Do you think momentum yeah. is building? Well, no, probably not because, you know, people don't like to go back on things, do they? But I think this weekend <laughs> did prove irrefutably that... There's no point in having it, is there? Because it doesn't rule out human error. And for that to happen twice on weekend, one weekend is quite extraordinary. And for one of it to be because somebody forgot to draw a line seems almost beyond parody. Right. So what, what, what are we using it for? What, what's, what's the purpose of it? It's not like goal line technology or even semi-automated offside technology, is it? If, if there's a human involved, then what, why is it more beneficial than having the on-field referee if you're going to get a three-minute delay to reach the wrong decision? I hear you, brother. The Brighton one as well, the Stupinian, uh, which would have been a stupendous goal as well, <laughs> uh, in which they did draw lines but put them on the wrong player, apparently. Anyway, anyway. What about Brentford then? That's 10 unbeaten for them, even though there was a bit of controversy about their equaliser. And as their manager was pointing out, that includes... Uh, fixtures against Spurs and Arsenal now and, and Liverpool and, and Man City as well. This is one of the reasons that <clears throat> all the VAR chat was quite annoying because there wasn't enough chat about how good Brentford were. They were excellent. I think there's loads of unsung heroes in that side. Like Rico Henry is really, really good. Jensen's having a great season. Norgard is incredibly consistent. And Ethan Pinnock, I think, is one of the most underrated centre-backs in the league. Um, I'm not sure if it was it was mentioned on here, but he, he missed the first eight games of the season <clears throat> and yet has have made more clearances than any defender in the league. He's a really, really important player for them. The height he got to win the ball for that kind of contentious goal was was, was extraordinary. And yeah, he's been, he's been on quite a journey. He was, he's, he's a Dulwich Hamlet uh, alumni. Um, uh, as a How long ago? That was not that long ago, like huh? sort of six, seven years ago. Came via uh, Barnsley and their kind of well-trodden path of good centre-backs. Um, and he was, no, I think in 2019, he was at Forest Green. So, I mean, he, he has had a pretty prodigious, pr- prodigious rise. And I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves. He's, he's brilliant. So, all round, Brentford, I find, every week are, are so impressive. And, 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 yeah, the VAR chat kind of uh, overtook that slightly. All right. We should draw a line under it, even though VAR didn't. Yeah. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Very good. The key the key to Brentford is is Thomas Frank, isn't it? You know, I'm just looking at their their summer signings and the most significant of them is Ben Mee on a free transfer from Burnley. You know, the rest of them haven't featured particularly often and and I wonder if Frank is is the most successful assistant turned manager ever because like, it's so rare, isn't it, that you get somebody who was the number 2 at the club and then comes in and actually does a far better job than the guy who um who he was replacing and and it's interesting that Thomas Frank was appointed by Rasmus Ankerson who's now the Southampton guy who appointed Nathan Jones so right. it's not not an exact science right I mean Germany have got quite a track record of that with their national team we had Jürgen Löw taking over from Jürgen Klinsmann and that's not the only example is it Jack uh, Hansi Flick at Bayern yeah. I guess is the most recent one there you go The Guardian with Football Weekly Trossard got his first goal for the Gunners. Took them a while to break down Brentford's low block, but Trossard, who, who's surprised by how well he's doing there for Arteta's side? Because I was a bit. Are you? I, th- I, th- I thought it was a very good fit. Okay. Just because he's kind of energetic. He's, uh, you know, he was shuffled around a bit 
at Brighton, but he's, I think he, he's a pretty good fit for that Martinelli position if Martinelli is tiring. Um, what I love about Trossard, I think just trademark celebrations, it doesn't matter how bad they are as long as you're really committed to them. And like his like kind of binoculars thing, I find that fantastic. Right. Like, I, if I was a professional footballer, I would 100% just adopt something when I was 20 and just, yeah, just we'll see this through now. The Robbie, Robbie Keane. Yeah, <laughs> for example. But Jack, you act, act as if you didn't in earlier years perhaps choose, single out and, and perfect a, a goal celebration of your own that you would use in your kind of fantasy. Never did. Did you not? Regre- regret it. Really regret it, yeah. Okay. I, was, uh, didn't, I wasn't a big goal scorer, but yeah. Matt, Can't did you? ever having one. Did yeah, yeah. Hand over the mouth like that. The the Dennis Bergkamp at Roker Park. Do you remember that? That's my that's my favourite. Where he scores that brilliant goal and hand over the mouth, and Paul Merson runs in and he's doing it too, but he's laughing so much that his hand keeps moving, just laughing at the brilliance of the goal. So they they were the kind of goals that I scored. So it was usually yeah, suitable. Very nice, suitable celebration. Very nice. So now, Jack, you touched on the fact that uh, Arteta's used a very settled side for this. So far, very successful run, and whether it might be time to change that up. And and Thomas Frank actually referenced that, the fact that maybe Arsenal are a little bit bit predictable because of the settledness of their side. Not true of Man City, of course. There's no telling who Pep will pick. Oh, uh, Daniel Rossi's got a tattoo of that. Um, what about Man City's... <laughs> of, of, of Pep's formation. Pepper uh, Pig is very Peppa good. Pig, I was making a little... Yeah. little yeah. The aforementioned. Yeah, for, yeah, we, yeah, listen, we were having a chat before we came on about Peppa Pig and Bluey, but we don't need to get into that again just yet. Not when we can talk about uh, Pep's Blueys, of course, <laughs> and how they got on against Villa and what kind of threat they're going to represent on Wednesday. Uh, what, what did you make of the game against Villa? A nice win, but one important loss, perhaps, in the large shape of Erling Haaland, who got subbed off at halftime with what might be a hamstring injury or not. What do you think? Yeah, it's difficult to say, isn't it, whether it's going to be... A, um, obviously, it's going to be a big loss then because he's a brilliant player. But if you're bringing on Julian Alvarez as his replacement and you're playing against a side who you always beat, pretty much, have a great record at the Emirates, um, do City, that it's not necessarily a huge problem for them as, as you know, playing Bernardo Silva at left-back on uh, on Wednesday night might be. Um, I think that's not... not hugely significant potentially not having Haaland but obviously if he's fit he's he's going to start but I mean the game on Sunday was a perfect warm-up for City wasn't it because it was done by half-time it was as easy as they come Villa threatened a bit of a comeback in the in the second half but it, there was no chance of them getting anything from the game so City were able to play in third gear for 45 minutes which Arsenal were, were not able to do 24 hours earlier the other, the other mad, mad thing about this game both Manchester clubs rested their centre-backs ahead of midweek games I don't think I've ever seen that before like both, both of them. So City rested uh, Akanji and Aki, and United rested Mar- Martinez and Varane. Which is you never that doesn't happen that, that you that you sort of keep you know keep back your first choice centre backs for a big midweek game, and yet they both pulled it off. It was quite impressive. Not oh, very nice. Nottingham Forest centre backs fancied a rest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. mm. we get onto Forest a bit bit later on. All right. Well, so Manchester City. Three points behind Arsenal. Arsenal do have a game in hand on the Citizens. But as you mentioned, City's record against Arsenal, Matt, is pretty extraordinary. They've won their last 11 Premier League meetings with the Gunners. Uh, Arsenal haven't beaten City in the league since ooh, 2015. Goals from Theo Walcott and Giroud. What's going to happen this time, Benji? Uh, City are going to win. Oh, yeah? And that means? Top of the league, isn't it? Well... 
I think, uh, I think it, yeah. The goal difference, probably, yeah. Is yeah, it? yeah. Which, the, but the goal difference, especially after that game, is like, it's like eight goals better than right. Arsenal's, isn't it? And will that be, will that be the moment that the momentum shifts? I mean, yeah, I think so. I keep speaking to Arsenal fans who are like telling me over and over again that, oh, oh no, of course we were never going to win the league. And I think, I think they, they've kind of baked in the, the, this inevitability. So yeah, I think, I think this is the, um, this is the crossover point on Wednesday night. What do you think, guys? One all draw. I mean, City have lost their last three away games in all comps, one of which was at Southampton, remarkably. So that might give Arsenal some comfort. But yeah, see this being a score draw. I think City will win. I agree with Benji. Um, I've really enjoyed Arsenal up to this point in the season, but there is an air of inevitability about City, I think, even when they're not playing amazingly well. You just think of the players that can come in that haven't been really performing so far, you know, Kevin De Bruyne's only really finding form now. Phil Foden is still to come back in. They just seem to, even with a fairly small squad, the options they do have are really good options. And I'm not sure the same can be said of Arsenal, unfortunately, at least until maybe Gabriel Jesus comes back. Matt, you mentioned Man City getting beaten by Saints in the League Cup. We've also seen them caught out by Brentford of late. Uh, The way Arsenal play, though, is it likely to be a lot more favourable to uh, to City on Wednesday night? Uh, I think just the fact that the pressure on on Arsenal will be different than maybe it was on on Southampton or Tottenham will work in City's mm. favour because you know it's it's as big if not a bigger game for for Arsenal as it is for City and it tends to be that kind of environment where City will thrive and and Pep is very good at playing on that and and. That probably is what would give them the edge in this game, in my opinion. Oh, and ultimately, as, as you say, Jimbo, it feels like City have sort of kept their powder dry a little bit through, through this season, and they 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 do that. They 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 you know they they can rest Kevin De Bruyne, and it's all right. Um, and you you look at Arsenal that they would really I think it might have happened once recently, but without Odegaard, they they are a completely different side. Whereas City seem to be able to cope even without KDB. So, right. um, in, in the running, surely that 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 stands them in better stead. Will Odegaard not be there? I'm going to say no. Just, or just if the point. he was, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Right. How, how pivotal he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but a draw is enough for us, isn't it? A draw is a good result for now. For now, but I think that it, again, that just delays the inevitable. That eventually, yeah, the inevitable is it though? I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. I'm taking Arsenal for the win myself. Big. And uh, let's not forget the uh, rocking Emirates atmosphere could shake the citizens. Hmm? Maybe they'll cheer the Premier League anthem to make ha! to make a cynical <laughs> point. By the way, what's yeah. the Premier League anthem? I heard, I saw this. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, the City City fans booed the Premier League anthem. You'll know it if you hear it, but well, I can't. Can someone it. sing it? Go on. No, I, don't I don't know what it is. It's if you have you ever watched Premier League abroad? Mm, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> and you were abroad while you were doing oh, it. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's the music that they'll inevitably feature in their Yeah, coverage. go on, let's hear it. Okay, we're going to play some now. Is that right, Josie? <laughs> Boo! Come on, Lord Panic. <laughs> Didn't they haven't played a big... Banner, like, yes, they panic. Did. oh, come on, guys. Panic on the streets of London, it said. God, that is, you know, keeping it real straight out of the main road. Mm. Come on. Well, anyway. So there you go. Well, that's Wednesday night. Anything else you want to say about it before the big game that we waited so long for, Jack Lang? Uh, 
No, but I, oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I guess is the answer. Uh, we, we need a name for this formation that Guardiola is doing. Okay. Three, two, two, three. And uh, I'd like to put forward the hourglass. All right. Nice. Has their time come, etc., and so on. We'll find out Wednesday night. As mentioned, while they're a tussling over top spot on Wednesday, elsewhere there are mighty European ties in prospect. And we're going to talk about some of those next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Midweek, Spurs make the trip to Milan for some Champions League action. And that same competition will feature on Wednesday, Chelsea in front of the yellow wall, taking on Borussia Dortmund. This after encountering the somewhat less raucous atmosphere at the London Stadium uh, early Saturday for that 1-1 draw with West Ham. West Ham get it in the mixer. Bowen with a dangerous flick. Oh, that's a brilliant finish by Emerson against his former club. Emerson Palmieri draws West Ham United level again. Mm. Matt, you were commentating on this. Benji, you were literally there present. I mean, first of all, I just want to talk about Chelsea and how electric they looked in the... In the first half, Grand Potter picking, what was it, five of the new signings, Matt? And, and it looked like, oh, my word, this is, what, what were we even worrying about Chelsea for? They're going to be brill. Yeah, they could have they could have had the game won in the in the first half of the first half. I think they had so many chances, a couple of goals, uh, rightly but but very tightly ruled out by VAR for offside. Joao Felix again looked amazing. Enzo Fernandez has been been excellent so far. But you know, familiar problems for Chelsea this season and for Graham Potter in that they they get these chances they don't take them. They've scored more than once in one of their last twelve games, Chelsea, and that's why they are where they are in the table. You know, Newcastle are, are dropping points. Spurs look ropey and Chelsea haven't been able to reel in any of them because they're not winning games that they ought to. And this was certainly one of those. That collection of players that only managed more than one goal in one of their last 12 matches. Correct. 
Good Lord. And that was against Bournemouth just after Christmas at Stamford Bridge. So, yeah, that, that's where Chelsea's problems lie, which, again, makes it slightly strange that Aubameyang, who, OK, hasn't been brilliant, but but can't even get a place on the bench in the in the Premier League and, and not even make the squad in the Champions League. Good Lord. So what happened after they'd failed to take all those chances? They, what, slow down? How, how did West Ham get back into the game? It, it was one of the turning points, actually, ironically, was um, Paquetar getting injured. You know, and there goes any sort of semblance of exuberance from, from West Ham. And on comes um, Thomas Suchek, who, who is sort of David Moyes' spirit animal. Um, and it meant there was an extra player on the pitch to basically kick Jao Felix. He, he, was, he was transcendent, generally one of the best players I've seen at West Ham for, for a long time. It felt really like that, um, that, that spell where James Rodriguez turned mm. up at Everton. And you're just like, this, this guy has come from a different footballing stratosphere. And everyone else around him was all right. But in some, like, Chelsea were about as good as we are, and we're not very good. And yeah, I sort of felt like their, their problem isn't really the, the, the lack of a centre forward, which everyone's sort of banging on about. There's no leaders. There's no like, there's no, um, there's no one shouting in the middle of the pitch. You had the kind of shuddering realisation that actually what they really probably need is a Declan Rice. Um, but but they, they, they are, you know, this, for me, it felt like Jao Felix plus 10. Um, it, this wasn't much more than that, to be honest. Mm. You mentioned, though, uh, Thomas Socek, and of course... Uh, he got in the way of what would have been a second goal for Chelsea. And that was the other massive VAR ruck of the weekend, eh, Matt? Yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, it, it was clearly a penalty. But the, the conversation uh, in kind of Chelsea land quickly moved on to, to the response from Graham Potter to it. And, and why wasn't he more angry about it? And why didn't why did he make a, a pretty lame joke about it in his press conference? Rather what, what was his joke? I did, didn't know Thomas was a goalkeeper or something, you know, right. equally light and, and Potterish like that. <laughs> but but that's not that's not who he is, is it? And but it contrasted with the with admin's response. Chelsea tweeted uh, quote tweeted FIFA um, promoting the who's going to win the best keeper awards uh, with a clip of that and just the words Thomas Socek, which is good content because it's yeah. been viewed more than fifteen million times. So they kind of. Um, they're the real they winners from that, I guess. but may, yeah. I, may I remind you and forgive the blatant whataboutery do you remember what happened at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season against West Ham then there's a ring, ringing any bells where Maxwell Cornet remember him scored an equaliser um, and it was ruled out and PGMOL apologised the next day so actually this was just a bit of Varma you know, wow. it comes round eventually. And, and you know, it cost, it cost Chelsea a couple of points here. Great save, to be frank, from, from Suchek. I mean, it was lovely. Yeah, the, mm. And the, the other thing about it is that Corne one was a really dreadful error and that goal definitely should have stood. This was a tame shot from Conor Gallagher, which might not even have made it to the six-yard box, never mind the net. So it wasn't like it stopped us. Yeah, Fabianski had it. There you go. Let's talk about João Felix. This game went better than the other one. Hey, Jack. <laughs> yeah, a lot better. Yeah. I mean, he's. I wrote about him last week on the Athletic, and you can find that in the what? Sorry, on the website on the Athletic. I don't know if you've heard of it. A little up and coming operation. Uh, I I love him. Just stylistically, he's kind of everything that I would turn on a TV to watch or pay to watch. Frankly, um, I got a few comments on the piece saying, "Yeah, but is he actually that good?" I don't really care if he's that good. I just want to watch him. Um, he may not end up being, you know, top three players in the world, which his transfer fee suggested he should have been. But then he didn't choose that transfer fee when Atletico Madrid signed him. 
Um, and I just hope he's confined somewhere where he's playing regularly and playing in kind of the position that suits him. It looks like Chelsea will afford him that well, I was for gonna, the next six months. I was going to ask that because there is a bit of confusion about them having a loan with no option to buy. But we've, we've seen that before with, for example, Odegaard at, at Arsenal, where mm. it didn't prove an obstacle to them getting it. Matt, as an insider, you know, at the heart of things at Cobham, what what are the prospects of them hanging on to Zhao? I think it depends if he's got a buyout clause because he signed a new contract just before he joined Chelsea, didn't he? That was that was part of the reason why they got him. You can go, but you have to sign a new contract. I think from his perspective, he would like to stay at Chelsea. He seems to be making those kind of noises and they'd definitely like to keep him. But from this is no insider knowledge because I don't know anything about how Atletico Madrid works, but I'm kind of assuming that his future depends on what happens to Diego Simeone because clearly... That's why he's not at Atletico Madrid now, right? Because they don't get on. And, and if Simeone's not going to be there next season, I assume he goes back there and that's why he signed a new contract. But otherwise, Chelsea will put down whatever needs to be put down and, and bring him to Stamford Bridge because they haven't got enough of that kind of player at the moment. And if you're Felix, the, 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 you know, Jack, Jack talked about the, the, the sort of position he's given, he was given, the role he's given. He almost didn't have a position. Like Potter basically said to him, roam around like you don't see that very often anymore and you definitely don't see that in a sort of Simeone side where you know Felix was basically given no responsibility in that Chelsea side he was told to roam around pick up the ball and it, and, and, it, and it, you know at times he was picking the ball up at right back other times he was on the left wing it meant that the West Ham midfielders had no idea whose responsibility it was to kick in basically um so surely if Potter's gonna allow him to do that and build this team around him like first of all, Chelsea have actually got something to hang their hat on there, and I, and I actually think that that is their way forward this season. If they can, you know, if he can maintain what James Rodriguez didn't, um, and for and for for Felix himself, like it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, being able to do what you want with no responsibility against you know versus Simeone's sort of sufferable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm similarly on the Felix train. He's, he looked exceptional. Who who would be the one player, a la Jack Langwood, Jao Felix, that you would tune into a match to see, Benji? Ooh. Thomas Suchek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, Craig Dawson. Is Craig Dawson. Craig right. Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Right, Matt. Of current players? Yeah. Uh, can I be boring and say Marcus Rashford just because it's so enjoyable? Okay. Watch, watch him be revitalised. Mm, very good. Jim, Jimbo? I, I, I think I might say, and it's quite obvious as well, Cavara Vaggio, as they're now calling him down in Naples. <laughs> um, yeah. Who, uh, who got another goal actually Sunday night on his 22nd birthday. Is... Maybe 22, wow. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we, we're, yeah. Not, we're not doing Premier It's not just Premier League. Oh, no, you can have anyone anywhere. Okay, all right, I'm having Lauren James in that case then, please. Okay, very nice. Reese's sister scoring some unbelievable goals for Chelsea at the moment. Brilliant. Couple, cu- just quickly, yeah. great line from um, Roshane Thomas uh, <laughs> referring to Chelsea as um, Klarna FC. It's a niche but perfect reference to the uh, to the finance company that lets you break down retail purchases into uh, into instalments. I thought that was absolute genius. There we go. Chelsea are ninth on thirty one points, ten points from the top four, and potential Champions League football next season. Their other route, of course, in, back into that competition is winning this year's edition. Uh, which will see them on Wednesday away at Borussia Dortmund. It's the first ever professional meeting between these two teams. Good lord. Dortmund will come into it following a 2-0 win against Werder Bremen at the weekend. They're third in the Bundesliga. I've really picked up form. I think it's the five wins in a row, six wins in a row in the, in the German top division. We'll have Raphael Honigstein breaking it down a little bit on Tuesday in the Totally Football Show. But so many reasons for Chelsea to be concerned about this. 
the form of Jude Bellingham, and, and, and of course that incredible noise that they're going to be facing from the Yellow Wall, which certainly seemed to pose Man City some problems when they visited back in October. Are you? How confident are you, Matt? Um, I'm not particularly confident, not least because Chelsea haven't got Benoit Badia-Shiel in their Champions League squad, who's been excellent. I mean, he, actually, Saturday probably the toughest game he's had so far, but certainly in the previous two, he, he was fantastic. And, and him not being there means that one of Trevor Chalaber, who's fallen out of favour with Graham Potter, it seems, or Kaladu Koulibaly, who's had a rotten season and didn't even make the bench on Saturday, mm. will have to come in. Um, so that makes life particularly difficult. And that, you know, that goal-scoring thing, that I mentioned, um, Chelsea would happily take a draw here, I'm sure. I mean, it seems like a long time ago that they won four of five under Potter in the group stage. Top the group. Um, could have been a game laced with narrative. Could have been Aubameyang, Tuchel and Pulisic all going back to their old clubs, but but none of that. But yeah, Chelsea would love a draw in this game. Take them back to Stamford Bridge and see what you can do there. But Dortmund favourites for the tie, I think, given the form you've just mentioned. Right. The other Champions League game involving... A Premier League side is Milan Spurs on Tuesday. Spurs, of course, came a cropper in proper fashion at Leicester on Saturday, taking the lead through Rodrigo Bentancur, who then promptly did his ACL and is out for the rest of the season, which is a big loss given their midfield options. And Spurs then eventually losing 4-1 as a Madison-inspired Foxes outfit roar back at them second week in a row actually that Leicester have come back from a goal down for a, a big win Madison Madison into Barnes Barnes scores this time and I don't think there'll be anything wrong with this one Spurs have been desperate defensively all afternoon and they stood up again you've got Spurs next weekend haven't you for West Ham, I bet you're fancying that right now. Yeah, they. Um, it's hard to know what you're going to get with Spurs. Unfortunately, it looks like it's sort of one game on, one game off, and off. And if this was an off game, we'll get the on game next weekend. Mm. Um, yeah, bravo, Brendan Rodgers. I think that yeah, you know, there was a, there was a time earlier in the season where everyone just sort of assumed that he was you know limping his way out of Leicester, and look at them now. It's easy to forget how how, how well he's doing there on pretty limited resources, and the. Um, two brand new centre-backs have made a big difference. Everyone talks a lot about uh, Woot Face and his uh, and his tackle for that that first goal was absolutely brilliant. Um, but Sutar as well, I think, looks like he's he's made for the Premier League and he set up one of the goals as well. Mm. One one of the key things has been Brendan actually using Ian Acho as a starter, no? I've been amazed. You know that run of form he went on um, mm. at the end of the 2020-21 season? And then assumed, I kind of just assumed he'd start the next season as their number one striker. And then he essentially hasn't played for about 18 months. Very strange, because you see him come back into the side and he's really well suited to the other players in the attack. He links the play well. He's very unselfish, which I like, you know, the pass for Madison's goal. I think eight out of ten strikers probably would have shot there, and it turned out to be a great decision. Uh, he's a good finisher. Um, yeah, and given that neither Vardy or Pats and Dacca have been in very good form, you know, essentially for over a year, it's really bizarre to me that it's taken this long for him to get a, a run. And I hope it continues because I really enjoy watching him. Mm. The defending on the Inacho goal described by Daniel Story as uh, an absolute rabble, proper village stuff 
says Daniel. Eric Dyer fully 20 yards behind any defensive colleague, putting in 1v1 against Iheanacho, backs off, never makes a challenge, and allows a free shot. Crikey. Issues there for Antonio Conte. Yeah, small re- small margins though, isn't it? Because like we nearly got one of the greatest own goals ever from Timothy Castagna and the Spurs goal from Ben Tancor was one of my favourite moments of the weekend because you had Victor Christensen doing that unbelievable clearance from underneath the bar, celebrating with the fans, put it out for a corner and then from the subsequent <laughs> corner, just passing it to Ben Tancor <laughs> for him to score. It was, there was so, I mean, Benji's already mentioned the Valtfast tackle mm. slash assist, but there was so much fun in this game. Like That Mendy goal is one of my favourite types of goals where somebody just kicks the ball literally as hard as they can kick it. Uh, yeah, just this was a joyous game. I wonder as well, Brendan Rodgers, seeing as he's finding a bit of form again, I wonder if he might be teeing himself up for the Spurs job next season. Oh, like good shout. It feels a bit like his time at Leicester's coming to an end, doesn't it? But if they have a good second half of the season, they got... What Blackburn at home in the fifth round of the FA Cup? They've got a good chance of, of making it through to at least the quarters, possibly the semis. I, I feels like Conte's not going to be at Spurs next season. Spurs fans, Spurs fans will roll their eyes at the idea of Brendan Rodgers, but I think I think he's an elite manager, or or I think he's if he's not or if he's not elite, he's just in that tier, just below it, M- much as Spurs are. Yeah, I mean, looking yeah. at the table. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, you know. that's that is where they are. But they 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 they, they certainly wouldn't think of themselves in that way. Mm. And they, they they think it's a step down from Antonio Conte. But I, I would I would gamble that that Rogers would do a better job at Spurs than Conte would. Mm. Well, he'd want to be there, wouldn't he? That would that would be the crucial. Totally, difference. and he and he's got sort of something. The thing about Rogers is he's still sort of got something to prove. It feels you know after that after that spell at Liverpool, he he kind of feels like he's still clawing his way back up. What's Conte got to prove really? I mean, he's, he's 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 won the league multiple times across across uh, Italy, Italy, and, and and the Premier League. Um, I think Rogers, yeah, they should they should definitely go for Rogers if Conte goes. Fair enough. Conte's uh, next mission with Spurs, though, as I say, at San Siro on Tuesday night. It's going to be coming around pretty quick if you're listening to this on Tuesday without Ben Danker. So potential midfield partnering of uh, Oliver Skip and Papi Sarr. Because uh, Hoiberg is out suspended. Luckily for them, Milan have been looking a bit of a rabble themselves of late. Although they did end a four-game losing streak in the league. I think it was something like six games in all competitions. In which they've been shipping goals to all and sundry. Uh, by getting a narrow 1-0 win against Torino on Friday night. Jack Lang. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Spurs midfield. Also, I think it became very apparent at the weekend how big a loss Hugo Lloris is. Because... Mm. Fraser Forster it's just one of those situations I don't watch that much Southampton for example and one minute Fraser Forster seems to be a really reliable Premier League keeper and then he shows up as second choice at a a top half club and you realise wow yeah that's uh, not great going down like a kind of a pine tree for two of their goals it's really not good not a good look Reports they were trying to coax Ben Foster out of retirement. I always get Fraser Forster and Ben Foster confused. (laughs) Maybe they did. Separate entities. (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. Well, Tuesday's Euro show will have previews of all of the midweek action and so much more. So look out for that. Next up on today's show, though, we're going to move on to Leeds Man United. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Controlled by Shaw. Rashford! He's done it again against Leeds United. For the second time in the space of four days, Marcus Rashford scores against them and carries on this immense scoring run he's enjoying. Man United this weekend at Leeds, where they won 2-0. Bit of a sucker punch, that, for managerless Leeds. Two late goals against the run of play. Rashford to Matt's delight there. And a uh, wonder strike from Garnaccio as well. Ten Hag, did he win this with his substitutions? Uh, I think that might be a bit generous, but it, it definitely helped. It was quite interesting. It was the way he reshuffled it. It kind of seemed to be willing to say, "Okay, well, actually, you just you have the midfield then," because Leeds had kind of made things very stodgy in the middle. It was quite a, a bitty game, quite enjoyable. But then, yeah, the subs came on. Lisandro Martinez was kind of calm, but I didn't think made that much of a difference. Garnacho scored, but again, wasn't really the difference maker. I would say what. What changed things was Luke Shaw being able to go down the flank. He kind of, uh, you know, started at centre half. Malassia was playing left back, but drifting in field. United didn't really um, mount many attacks down the flanks, and then suddenly the fullbacks were allowed to attack in the kind of more traditional way. Dallo hit the bar. Shaw put the cross in. So yeah, I suppose I would say the shape more than the personnel for Ten Hag, but managerial. Um, yeah, a tick in the managerial column, I would say, for him. And and great for Rashford that he's kind of added those headed goals to his game, I think. Mm. We we know that he can beat a man and fire in shots, but I didn't really think he had that in his uh, in his armory until the last three or four weeks. And it's it's a big a big bonus for United, I think. Manchester United. I'd say uh, talking of the subs, uh, one of the players that went off was um Jay, poor old Jaden Sancho who uh, has been working so hard to get himself fit, get himself back into the right sort of frame of mind. And his most notable involvement in this game was getting absolutely walloped by, by Tyler Adams. Like, absolutely tackled him into next season. That was an extraordinary tackle. Uh, uh, just, I mean, they are brilliant tackles. Like that. It reminded me of, that, um, of Eric Dyer on Sergio Ramos. Just absolutely wallop, bang. I'm making a point here. This, the, the crowd celebrates it like a goal. And... Um, I mean, Sancho didn't do much after that, did he? How will he? Is he fit for the big game Thursday night as they travel to Barcelona, with whom they do not enjoy a good record of late? They've lost their last four meetings with the Catalans. They went there in 2009 in the Champions League, lost 3-0. Before that, of course, they got schooled in a couple of Champions League finals, 
11. Hmm. Bit of a saucy game, that one, though. Everyone will be tuning in, I'm sure. 5.30 on, on Thursday afternoon. Matt, you excited about Barcelona playing Man United? Yeah, and I think Man United can, can kind of enjoy this as just, you know, kind of school trip away to Europe for the rest of the season, can't they? Because they've <laughs> top four sewn up for them. They're in a cup final. It, it, it's not the elite European competition that they're desperate to win, but they'd like to do so. So I think they can just um, let it all hang out in the Europa League. Should be a really good tie. Excellent. If you fancy sampling that, but also want to keep an eye on the other 32 games that will be happening at the same time, because of course Thursday's uh, Europa League playoff and Europa Conference League playoffs. Expand your knowledge of European geography, why don't you, uh, by tuning into The Goal Show, which is being dusted off and brought back out for that. 16 games all in one programme, starting uh, probably 5 o'clock, I think, on uh, Thursday, with the usual cast. Uh, oh, who's going to be Leeds manager then? Still don't know. However, did I read that Alfred Schroeder, who was fired by Ajax a fortnight ago, after their recent struggles and a bit of stories of dissent among the squad, but had been previously flying high with the uh, Amsterdam side, that he was the guest of Leeds at Ellen Road for this game. Is that right? Apparently so, yeah. It's it's bizarre that they've been able to do such good January transfer business and had <laughs> seemingly no plan for their manager when the previous guy has been in a perilous position ever since he got there. Um, Schroeder, what, 11 wins from 20 league games for Ajax this season, knocked out the Champions League in the group stage, obviously lost a lot of players in the summer. But, I mean, how do you get in a situation where you're picking between him and Steven Gerrard? Sounds Is that the choice? Well, they're two who are being linked with it. But mm. it makes you wonder who's actually making the decisions, doesn't it? Because we don't know if it's... Uh, is it the, the 49ers guys who are, who are making these calls? Or is it uh, Andrea Razzani? It all looks a bit messy at Leeds. You think their squad is excellent. They should be able to stay up with plenty to spare. They score loads more goals than every other team in, in the bottom half of the table. There's this, um, how have they not managed to sort a manager out? There's this really promising guy who did a fantastic job with um, Luton last year. <laughs> who... <laughs> I reckon if they're looking around at the moment for someone that's available. Right. Too much table tennis at Ellen Road, do you think? <laughs> uh, was that what? Is that a Jesse Marsh thing? No, it's a Nathan Jones at a Luton thing, which actually brings us on to another of the weekend's big stories, which was Saints 1, Wolves 2, with the subsequent dismissal of Southampton manager Nathan Jones. As Daniel Story also said this weekend, uh, his press conferences had become appointment viewing, and that's rarely a good sign. Now, in one of his previous kind of outbursts to the press, Matt, you'd referenced this on a previous edition, was the whole table tennis business. Just refresh our memories about that. Yeah, so he'd said, I think it was in an article with the coach's voice that when he got there, he didn't like the table tennis culture at the club. This is when Luton were in League Two. So he'd taken the table tennis table out onto the training pitch and burnt it in front of the squad. Um which is obviously mad. Now, I'm told by somebody who knows that that was not the case. He asked for the table tennis table to be removed and it was put in storage at Kenilworth Road. But it was slightly awkward because this is when Luton were in League Two mm. and didn't have a penny to their name. That table tennis table had been bought for the club by a supporters group as a, a sort of kind act for, uh, we know you're struggling a bit, enjoy some table tennis. Uh, the club then have to field an angry phone call why is that table tennis table we bought you been burnt in front of the squad? It hasn't been burnt. It's in a cupboard at Kenilworth Road. Good Lord. It's, a, it's a, an indictment of modern football, isn't it? That the kind of culture that would have been deemed problematic in the past, you know, a drinking culture, <laughs> a gambling culture. Now we're, we're at the level where it's a table tennis. Like, what, what next? 
like a first names culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to really miss Nathan Jones. Like he, he, he's a cautionary tale as well. Like it's very rare to get a Premier League manager entirely without filter. And like, boy, did we get that with Nathan Jones. And you can sort of see what his strategy was. It was like, I'm going to be like ultra confident. And yes, maybe, you know, in the, there's some spectacular historic examples of that absolutely rubbing off on your players. Problem is, he's not Brian Clough. He's not Jose Mourinho. He's Nathan Jones. And the, the, the truth is, like, you know, being a Premier League manager these days is a bit of a PR job. And like, if you, you know, if, ultimately, you have to be able to sort of handle the press and if you and and if you can't do that well, then just play with a completely straight bat. I like look at someone like Steve Cooper. He's never said anything exciting in his whole life, you know. But but he the the fact that he doesn't have any razzmatazz probably buys him an extra three four games in a bad run. And what we've seen with Nathan Jones is the exact opposite. Being all sort of Billy Big Balls means the scrutiny is is, is higher, and you're probably going to get less of a chance to turn it around. Which who knows? Maybe maybe you could have done, but it just became a bit of a bit of a joke, really, didn't it? Mm. Well, he might be the first Premier League manager to talk himself out of a job, even yeah. though you know his record was absolutely appalling. But you you think they'd have given him a bit more rope if he if he hadn't been talking about, you know, what a great PE teacher he could have been and, and his imaginary Welsh wife and how that would have all this. Gone and I think there is a there is a long an athletic long read in this on mm. the relationship between Brexit and toxic masculinity and Nathan Jones's tenure at Southampton. Crikey. Um, well, and- poor chap. I mean, he's, he's probably suffering at the moment, so let's not inveigle but, but, too much And on it's it. on Southampton as well, isn't right. it? You know, it's easy to criticise Nathan Jones and he's given us plenty of material to do that with. But mm. as I mentioned, the guy who hired him is the guy who hired Thomas Frank at Brentford, so he knows how to pick people, but he's gone purely on metrics, apparently. Metrics that apply to a championship side with no budget and trying to transpose that into the Premier League was always That's unlikely exactly to work. It. That's exactly it. Right. Jack? But best thing about the... The defeat to Wolves is that free kick they got near the end of the game. You've got possibly the best free kick taker in Europe, and they try this intricate, yeah. worked free kick routine, which in normal circumstances I have a lot of time for. Fantastic. But at the same time, when you need a goal in the last few minutes of a game, they're completely bizarre. The kind of thing that. Yeah, yeah, the kind of thing that if players did want to change their manager, that would be the kind of thing you would do from <laughs> yeah. a late free kick. Well, yeah, you might also come up with an extraordinary own goal like Jan Bednarek's, which was my moment of the weekend. <laughs> He's, I mean, it was a bad dream of an own goal. Wasn't it? He's there in front of the goal, facing in the right direction. He blocks the shot, but then there's this kind of what felt like about 30 seconds worth of slow motion fumbling and every touch that he makes to try and recover the situation just makes it worse as he moves through slow time treatment. But they did the slow motion and you're just like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Of course, the biggest blow for, for Saints though was, was was their opponents going down to 10 men and it is tough to come back from that kind of a that kind of an advantage, isn't it? Those two, I mean, the first yellow card that Lamina got was was never a yellow card. Yeah. The second one, and, and, you know, this has kind of been lost in all the other VAR mistakes that were made this weekend or officiating mistakes. But if Ruben Neves is right and mm. Lamina got a yellow card for being third man on the scene, and that, that theory was given more credence on Sunday. When was it Ruben Diaz who got one for, for exactly the same thing? Oh, did in he? The Man City game, yeah, for, so for being Neves the third said, person on the scene. Yeah, Neves said afterwards that the referee had told him that he he booked him for running over and he doesn't even get there before he gets booked in fact and then he's off handing Wolves that huge advantage <laughs> and uh, anyway and, and that was the beginning of the end crikey oh here's a point Lopetegui 
the Wolves manager and Nathan Jones were appointed to their respective positions within the same week in November. If you wanted a kind of test case, what is it you do in an experiment? You have a, like a test. A, a normal. Yeah, a normal. If you wanted like a, a parallel to see how much a, a manager can affect negatively or positively their club. I mean, obviously, Wolves have had significant investment in a way that Saints haven't. But still, remarkable what Lopetegui has been able to achieve uh, at Molyneux. Three wins out of the last five. They've moved up to 15th now, while Saints have lost seven of their last eight and are very much bottom of the table. Four points from safety, though, so if they bring in the right man, could be doable. Who, who's who's uh, in pole position there, Matt? It's Jesse Marsh. <laughs> Believe it or not, it is actually Jesse Marsh who is one to four favourite to get the Southampton job. As a Nottingham Forest supporter, I'm absolutely delighted to report that. Um, I find it incredible. Apparently, Southampton's you know data-led owners have been a big fan of his for a while. They've obviously, not been watching much of the Premier League this season, but yeah, let's get Jesse Marsh in at Southampton. I mean, to be honest, I think you say as you say, they're only four points um, from safety but it looks like they're doomed whoever they get in don't they so let's get Jesse Marsh back just for just for banter he's not quite Nathan Jones in, in those stakes but he's not that far behind very good uh, we're going to talk about oh Forrest Matt in a second or two and the other games that took place this weekend after this This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Real Madrid have won the Club World Cup. Yay! It's the fifth time they've done that. They beat... Uh, Saudi Arabian outfit Al-Hilal in Morocco, 5-3 on Saturday. Goals from Vinicius Jr. He got a brace, as did Valverde. And Benzema got one as well. There you go. Also, this weekend, we saw the Super League proposals making their return. (sighs) I mean, you know, I, I guess we'll see. But it doesn't seem any more likely this time around, does it? Nah. So we'll leave that for now and move on to some of the tip-top Premier League action that saw Fulham beating Forest 2-0, Bournemouth holding Newcastle to yet another draw. Is that their fifth in a row? And Palace and Brighton having their third 1-1 draw in a row. Fulham with a 2-0 win over Forest. Crikey. I mean, we could... Unfortunate for Forrest, those uh, those two centre-halves going off injured, Matt. But uh, what what about Williams' form? Who saw that coming when he signed for Fulham? Yeah, not many. I'm sure Jack can tell us how much he struggled in, in Brazil before he, he came back to West London. But he, the goal was absolutely sensational. I, I saw him, um, seen Fulham twice in as many weeks now because they, they played Chelsea the week before, um, obviously. And, and he's sensational. But it's amazing how they seem to be able to cope without Mitrovic impacting the game at all. You know, people like Bobby Di Cordova Reed. He looks like a really composed Premier League player. Harrison Reed's been one of the best in his position in the league all season. Kenny Tete, excellent right back. They're just a, a really, really well coached team Fulham. I think all the all the praise goes to Marco Silva. Uh, they comfortably held Forrest at arm's length in this game. I got there five minutes in literally as Bolly and McKenna were being wheeled off the pitch. And yeah, Forrest played better in the second half, but they've scored three goals away from home 
home all season, so that is not very good. Jack, William at, at Arsenal was a bit of a cautionary tale for uh, muddle-headed transfer business, or at least it seemed so. And, and how did he get on in Brazil then? Uh, not very well. Had a lot of injuries. Uh, a really big fallout when he left Gradinchins because he, he and his family had received threats from fans and he used that as a way, completely understandably, to get out of the club uh, and... <laughs> The Apple, some of the aforementioned fans didn't like that. What, what I like about his form at the moment is his willingness to run at people. You know, we saw at the weekend he was doing stepovers, he was driving at his man. And that is something that uh, kind of faded from his game, really. Probably even at, during the Chelsea days, I remember watching him a lot and knowing he had that in his locker. He's got a lovely turn of pace. He is tricky. Um, but quite often he always used to cho choose a safe option. That was... The case when he played for Brazil, he was kind of a the safety winger, weirdly, like the kind of guy who'd get the ball, he'd rarely lose it, but wouldn't really do that explosive thing. Seems to have rediscovered a bit of his old spark, and the, yeah, really pleasing to see. All right, Marco Silva, perhaps a big factor for that return to form. The, uh, just just a note on the um, Forest centre backs, McKenna and Bolly going off. Not in, wasn't only the, the same minute; it was the same action. And I think it was the same injury, and I think it was the same groin. Well, actually, having yeah, they're both their right groin. How many, I think, hold how, how many groins have you got? That's a good. This is actually a good question on Valentine's Day. Like, are groins continuous? <laughs> I don't. You don't know that. Can you? Is it? Do you I have a right and left a, groin? No, I think it's a groin. When you pull the, your groin, it's the groin. It's the groin. But they were both sort of holding the right side of the groin. Right. And that just felt You've like definitely got two groin muscles. Sorry, is that oh, right? You? Okay, but then this that, from Jack Lang. But then people talk about it in the singular. He's done his groin. Right. Not like well, no, actually, you'd say hamstring. One of his wouldn't groins. A strained groin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've maybe, heard the word groin so many times. I'm starting to question. Well, Jack, really maybe <laughs> another that could be um, an athletic long read. How many groins are there? <laughs> right. The history of the which groin is more like who what groin is the most susceptible to injury because if you're a forest center back it's the right one okay how are their groins ahead of uh <laughs> whoever forest got next in what's again looking a bit of a delicate situation is it matt i see you were talking about how it many is. points you've dropped to the likes of fulham and and, and bournemouth this season yeah so we played fulham, fulham and bournemouth twice now and obviously fulham are having a brilliant season in seventh but they are the two teams that forest came up with and they've taken uh one point from those four games which is damaging particularly given how much Forest struggle away from home and they're playing Man City next weekend and you know Henderson is out which is fine because they've got Kaylor Navas now but they're also without Yates, Lingard, Kiyati, Awanyi and now Bolly and McKenna presumably as well so Forest are in a difficult situation I reckon they probably need 12 more points to stay up after Man City have got <laughs> Everton and West Ham back-to-back -back games, so they need to get something from those. Uh, and yeah, last day of the season, Forest away at Crystal Palace. To Ooh. me, that screams potential, uh, yeah, massive relegation decider. I'm sorry to interrupt there. I, I, I thought Matt was going to say 12 more players. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I was just thinking, Benji, we're going to go through this whole chat without either I'm subscribing sorry, sorry. Uh, incorrect first names <laughs> to former players or making some dig about how many, as, as the Forest fans were singing on Saturday, 30 signings who gives up Nottingham Forest are staying up, which um, sounded more plausible at the start of the game than it did at the end. But yeah, right. well, you're we're still taking that with good humour. Six points clear of the drop. Crystal Palace, who are not exactly setting the world on fire at the moment, a 1 1 draw for them. Uh, this weekend against Brighton, which probably should have been a Brighton 2-1 win, as mentioned earlier on, that Stupinian goal that was uh, 
ruled out for offside. Hey, Solly Marsh, who did get a goal that was given for Brighton, that is now, how many goals is that? Four goals in seven league games, and he'd previously gone 25 months without scoring a single one. Crikey. Is that the Deserby effect? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose it has to be, really. To I, be. I would be looking at those stats as any of his former managers and maybe doing a bit of self-reflection. Like maybe he was, you know, had more to contribute in the final third than people thought. He was played at wing-back a lot of the time. I mean, I personally thought it was a bit weird playing him out on the right because I didn't think he necessarily had the ability to drive in field like that. I thought he was, you know, basically really made to be a left wing back for his career. But yeah, he's really added that to his game. Um, incredible story, really fair play to him. Very nice indeed. Also this weekend, the 5.30 Saturday game saw Bournemouth uh, holding Newcastle to, yes, indeed, their fifth draw in a row. Anything remarkable about that game? Just that Newcastle Anything? have conceded the same goal two games in a row. Hmm. Um, against West Ham, it was a, a, near, a corner, near post, flick on, and someone at the Picatar at the back post. This was the same um, with uh, Sinesi. Jack mentioned earlier that w with Arsenal, we're potentially seeing the downside of having a really settled eleven, And I do wonder if we're, if we're seeing that to some extent with, with Newcastle. Their, 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 their back five has been the same pretty much all the way through the season. And uh, Dan Byrne looked a little bit leggy, but very big leggy at the end, at the, end of the game. Um, and that nearly led to a last-minute uh, winner from Bournemouth. Mm. Burnout. I, he, does, <laughs> he does generally look quite leggy, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a nice reception that Eddie Howe got. I've, I've not been totally convinced that he's not an automaton before now, so to see him actually show some human emotion well, he did, was didn't uh, he? He, rewarding, he got, yeah. He got quite... Um, you could see his eyes glistening with the emotion there in his post-game interview. Very nice. Excellent. Well, that is how it stands in the Premier League. The bottom three, Everton, Bournemouth, Saints, up top, Arsenal, with that three-point lead ahead of Man City, ahead of Wednesday's clash. And all very exciting. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk more about the European fixtures on their way. So perhaps you'll be joining us for that, listener. For now, as many thanks to you and to Benji and to Matt and to Jack and to producer Jesse. And we'll catch up with you soon, Tuesday or indeed on Thursday, to review the midweek action and look forward to the weekend's games. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.